Single dad, why you mad? Single dad, why you mad? Single dad, why are you mad? Single dad, why 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 you mad? So, is it okay to say welcome to Single Dad Why You Mad? Let's uh, record and see what we get. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we are unpacking. Unpacking for the holidays? Unpacking from the holidays. Yeah. Right? Because we have not recorded since uh, early December. We just had that many uh, episodes loaded up in the clip, and then we just let them off. And uh, yeah, so it's been a hot minute. <laughs> it's a hot minute, but you know, let's unpack. The holidays. So we, we, by the holidays, we're talking Christmas through New Year's, right? Right. So we, we diving right into it? Yeah, we diving right into it. So let me say something, though, before we do that, right? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Whenever you're on camera right now, you know, yep. you always look thin and small. <laughs> In case anybody's wondering, right? Which, which is funny because they always say the camera has pounds, right? Not, no, no, it doesn't. You're not that thin, and you're not that small, right? Not at all. Dude, like right now, I'm looking around like, yo, I haven't worked out since like May. I need to get back in the gym or some real New Year's resolution shit. I went to see my mom's over the holidays, and she's like, why is your face so fat? Why is your face so fat? So, So, yeah, mom may think you're fat, right? But no, when I see, you know, in person, you do not look the same way you look on camera. But... By unpacking for the holidays, we're talking about uh, Christmas through New Year's, right? Right. Okay. So, uh, why don't we start with Christmas? Um, what did you do? So, I'd like to even go a step back. Right? Let's go. Let's go further because realistically, we haven't like other than a quick text here and there, we haven't caught up since that last episode. And I know we had talked about like getting together, doing an episode because you had some burning shit going on leading into the holiday season and you want to unpack it. We just never got around to it. So let's take it Let's take it back even further. Let's take it back. We'll call it the holiday season, but we can unpack anything that's happened between the last time we recorded and today. So the last time we recorded, we were talking to Nefertari Plessy. She had dropped some science on me. So I think I let a lot of that stuff go. I got to be yeah. honest with you. I got to be honest with you. I think I let a lot go. Uh, I'm still kicking out $2,100 a month. I'm still putting up NBA numbers, you know? Um, That shit hurts, right? And I'm not saying I'm giving up, you know, I'm cutting a check, you know, to my son's mom for $2,100 a month. I'm saying I'm cutting a check to her, plus daycare and healthcare and all that sort of of stuff. It comes up to $2,100 a month. Um, So I'm putting up NBA numbers, uh, except I don't play for the NBA. But what are you going to do, right? Right. So... Y'all, so, correct me if I'm wrong. There was there was a mini war brewing leading into the holidays, or did or did the Nefertiti conversation make you go, "Yo, let me rethink some of this shit." So we still have to go back to court at the end of this month, and I'm trying to do some stuff to make my case. But my position is, if it comes out less, it comes out less. I believe it will come out less, and I just have to wait and see. But. I can't make that my entire world. So what's happened since then? Has it been like, you know, a, a bit of a, okay, we, we, we just go into court and it's going to be washed out in court. How's the actual relationship between the two of you right now? Is it cordial? Is it, yo, I ain't even fucking with her? Like, where are you at? So I'm always willing to have a conversation about my kid. So mm-hmm. um, he had his parents 
recording or, or, or parent-teacher uh, deal, and they handed me this paper, and one of the things it says on it is that he needs to work on holding a pencil and writing. That was the only thing they had. Behavior and everything else is excellent. And they're not saying he's behind with it. They're saying that's what he needs to start working on. So I've got a coloring book. One of my friends gave him a coloring book for Christmas. Um, and I'm going to start with that coloring, like, you know, in the lines, and then move on to him writing his name. But yeah. he needs to be actively working on holding a pencil and writing with it. And I called her to check on him yesterday. Okay. And while doing that, I had the conversation with her. I said, so, pick up the report card from school. This is what it says. And this is the main thing. And she told me, okay, she's going to work on it with her, and I'm going to work on it with me. And the only other thing besides that, okay, there was something else. See? Now, 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 <laughs> thank you, Jesus, right? Yeah. So, you know, we were in court for almost a year, right, right? on custody, because she got an evening job, and she wanted to work that job, and the current court schedule didn't allow her to work that job because she needed to be there on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. And she's supposed to be with him on Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays, really Saturday or Sunday. So she wanted to swap schedules. And my position was, you know, I work on, on, on Saturdays and Sundays too. You know, whenever my you know schools are out, that's when I go into schools and do construction work. So what am I supposed to do? So the judge came back with a schedule where, you know, Sunday evenings he's with me. So, you know, we worked out a schedule where she would bring him to me, you know, Sunday mornings, and then he would be with her Sunday nights when he worked. And if she wasn't working on Sunday nights, then, you know, we agreed that, uh, you know, he would be me during the day and with her at night. Or if she wasn't working on Sunday nights, then he would be with her during the day and me at night. Right? right. So that took a year to get through. And then once we get through it, a month ago or two months ago, right after Thanksgiving. So this order has been in effect since June of 19, right? In December of 19, she calls me to tell me that uh, she's no longer gonna be working that second job. So she quit or she got let go? Not, not that it matters, but- It doesn't matter. The, pl the plan changed, the plan changed. Again, and my thing is, yo, we just went to court for a fucking year. Son, like, so, so not, not to interject, but this, this is, like, this kind of stuff is the conversation that I have with my ex-wife a lot, right? And it's, while she is incredibly detail-oriented in a way that I am not, like, you know, like, I always credit you, I'm like, yo, this show runs because you're as detail-oriented as you are and, and as meticulous as you can be with certain things. And I love and appreciate you for that. It's the same reason... I appreciate you for saying it. Right, but, but I, I recognize what it is, right? I, I, I know who I am, I know what my faults are, right? So in the conversation with my ex-wife, I always say like, she is incredibly detail-oriented and meticulous. Like, she can plan something from soup to nuts like nobody's business. But the downfall to that is, while she is incredibly good at curating a tree, sometimes she doesn't see the entire forest. And very much like this situation you're describing with you, with your your ex, it's one of those situations where it's like, yo, you created an entire shitstorm for a short-term situation that wasn't long-term viable. And it's like, we are actually having a butting of heads for very similar shit right now. Where it's like, yo, like, 
okay, yeah, I see where you are right now, but how does that affect long-term viability of our kids in our situation? Creating a shitstorm for a short-term situation. Dude, that is Clark rule number three, right? I don't know if I ever broke it down over, over, over this podcast, but growing up, my pops used to tell me certain things, right? And there's certain things he used to repeat to me to get them ingrained in my head. And it's to the point that I have them on the mirror in the bathroom so my daughters see them every morning. Rule number one is don't panic, right? So my father was a Vietnam veteran. After leaving Vietnam, came stateside and worked for many years until you know his brief retirement and then death a couple years later as an emergency room nurse anesthetist, right? So he was a very pragmatic thinker in a lot of ways. Funny dude, lovable dude, but what his first lesson was don't panic because people who panic die. In all the horrific situations he's come across, emergency situations he's witnessed, the people who keep a clear head and focus on the situation they're in are the ones who generally survive. Lesson number two is everything in the room is a weapon. That, that kind of goes without further explanation. Lesson number three was don't make long-term decisions based on short-term feelings. And that's one that as a younger man, I struggle with, but it's my guiding light in these kinds of situations. It's like, yo, shit is uncomfortable. Let me stop the discomfort. Shit is stressful. I gotta escape this stress. You know, me making this decision right now is gonna stop the discomfort and ease the stress. But how does it position me for the longer term? And that's the kind of thinking that I, I adopt in, in pretty much all facets of my life. Yeah, I may feel a way about some shit in the moment, but I gotta chill and think about, okay, let me rest on it. And invariably, how I felt in that moment especially when it's a moment that gets under my skin, is not how I'm gonna feel later. So, a year worth of court for six months working at a job. So, the court order specifically says that if she stops working that job, we're supposed to go back to the original court order, right? Right. Order schedule, right? Right, so, so, they, so they put it in there, you baked yeah. it in. So, but she sends me a note that says, can we just keep the schedule we have now? Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday nights with me. Thursday nights, Friday night, and Saturday night with her. Which is what I was asking for in the fucking courtroom in the first fucking place. Any day that he needs to be to school the next day, he should be with me. But that's what I say is the comedy shit. It's the short-term thinking. It's the immediate, this is what I want now. I'm not worried about how the shit is going to affect shit later. You know, I'm going to turn the table upside down and upset the apple cart. It wasn't worth it. The fuck? I told you it wasn't worth it six months ago when we had the conversation. I can say, you know, once again, to my ex-wife's credit, very often when we have these arguments and these disagreements, it's like, yo, we're having this argument, we're having this disagreement, but we usually settle it between us. You know, we, we are going on eight years divorced and only had that one court appearance. Now, whether or not that continues, that streak continues, God willing, knock on wood, yo, it's, it's absolutely I told, frustrating. I told, him, I told him my plan is to write this up and I'm going to write it up where it's sort of like irrevocable for the duration for forever. Right. And then that's what I would carry to court if she ever tries to change it again. So that's where we are right now. I just haven't had the chance to write it up because, you know, I've been working on a bunch of different other things, right? Um, Life intervenes. So, so that was the lead up to the holidays. 
um, this was this was post Thanksgiving, right? That's after Thanksgiving, yeah. All right. So, what 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 did the holidays look like for you? So Christmas was a good day, right? Um, yeah. And there's a couple of things that you know I had some things that were troubling. So I had Miles, and I posted it in a couple of places. Tell me what he wants for Christmas, and I wrote it down on the Christmas list, and I had to post it up on the refrigerator, right? Yeah. And one of the things he asked for was a kitchen for cooking. My man. So, yeah, I hear that, right? Learn now, them young, yo. Learn them young. But in the beginning, in the yeah. middle of it, when he first asked for a kitchen, I'm saying to myself, come on, man. <laughs> you don't want a Tonka truck? You don't want a fucking, uh, you know, fucking... Uh, I mean, he had also asked for the trains, right? You're right, right. Which I had already, you know, set up together. But yeah, he said a kitchen for cooking. And I talked to a couple of people about it, you know, and I realized I had my own hangups on it. But then he said something to somebody else when we talked about the kitchen for cooking. He said, yeah, so I could cook like that. And that's Ooh, what I forgot. Right. For the past three years, yeah, because he's been walking since he was one. So for the past two and a half years, I had the little gate in front of the kitchen entrance. I'm in there cooking while he's out here playing with his stuff, and he's in there watching me, and I'm free. And it's been like that since I got rid of the gate, and, you know, he was walking around. He watches me cook dinner every night, or at least three nights a week, right? Right. You know, I ask him, what do you want for dinner? He wants macaroni and cheese. I make macaroni and cheese and some meat and some vegetable or spaghetti or hot dogs or hamburgers or whatever. But when he first mentioned it, I didn't see it that way. You know, so I realized I got some bullshit going on. But you check, but you checked your bullshit, right? I checked my bullshit. You checked your bullshit. And, and, and it's funny I didn't because... Check my bullshit. I didn't check my bullshit immediately, right? Because one of my homegirls who lives in the South, um, so let me not... Yeah. A friend of mine mm -hmm. lives in the South sent me uh, for him an apron and a chef's hat. Right. Yeah, but it looked a little girly, so. See, I'm, I'm laughing, right? Because my initial thought was learn them young, right? Especially in this day and age because, like, you see so much shit about the failure to launch and dudes who, like, reach, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old in their 20s or their 30s and haven't left their parents' house and don't know how to cook a meal for themselves and don't know how to do their own laundry. And my initial thought was, like, when you were like, oh, I had a problem with it, I'm like, yo, don't you want your son to get laid? Like, do you know how much ass cooking will get him? So here's the other side of that. So I was on punishment a lot when I was young, all the time. Same. And I think I talked about this once before. Part of my chores was I would have to cook the dinner or I would have to wash the dishes or I would have to clean the bathroom or clean down the stairs or mop the floors or vacuum the rug or shampoo the rug or a hundred different other things to keep these idle hands busy, right? Mm. And I don't think that my mother was doing this intentionally, but here's what happened from that. She taught me that I did not need a woman for traditionally what we need women for, or for what we, you know, you understand what I'm saying? I didn't, like, need a woman to cook. Yeah. I didn't need a woman to clean. I didn't need right. a woman to do my laundry. I didn't need a woman, you know, to keep my house clean. I knew how to do that stuff for myself. So what would I be looking for when I got older and I started looking for a woman? I wasn't going to be looking for a woman that did that cooking, cleaning, my laundry and all that other sort of stuff. I was looking for a woman that I really loved that I thought really loved me. Not looking for a woman 
who did those things that could represent love. Right. So that's the lesson I'm going to try to transfer to him. But exactly. It, it, it builds a level of freedom for your son, right? Yes. So that's the argument that I come up across with whenever I bump into people and they go, oh, don't you want to get remarried? Well, they go, firstly, don't you want a son? And I'm like, nah, because the likelihood is that he's going to hate me. Because there's a lot of shit that I can say and do, and I've already, patterns I've already established with my daughters, that like I bring a son into this with shit that's baked in the back of my head, which I'm free of right now, but I can completely see myself going, yo, what the fuck? And making his life difficult in the ways that my father made me made my life difficult, but as a training process for certain shit that you go through as a young black man that young black women don't go through. So I, I, that's firstly. Secondly, they go, don't you want to get remarried? And my response, which you've heard a thousand times, is why does my happiness bother? Do, do I look upset? Do I look lonely? I'm not. Like, I'm good. I cook my own meals. I wash my own clothes. I kind of sort of clean up my own house. You know what I'm saying? My kids have a mom, so they have a female role model who's involved in their lives. They have aunties who love them in the same way. You know, just like they have extended male role models besides me, but they still have their primaries in their lives, right? So it's, what do you add into my life that, number one, makes me want to be in a relationship, and number two, makes me want to tolerate shit when it goes south? Because that, that's my other major problem. I just don't have that in me. Like, I don't have the capacity. So by allowing Miles to, like, see you as the example for, you know, all the other lessons you teach him, but having him in the kitchen, that's ammunition for him. Like you, you basically stockpiling ammo for him at this young age. Cause I started cooking at six, dude. Like I was in the kitchen standing on a milk crate, chefing shit up from, for my family when they come to visit from Trinidad and Barbados and shit. And I developed a love for cooking and I developed, developed a love for baking. Cause my grandmother used to do wedding cakes for people. So it'd be me and my man Zoe, and he, we were like her little, like her little bakery apprentices. Let the, let the man follow the model, man. All right. So where were you for Christmas? What did you do for Christmas? All right. So for Christmas, uh, I, I I think it's no secret. You and I have discussed it a lot, um, and I'm very open about the fact that I fucking hate the holidays. Like it, it just. It, it tends to be a very miserable time for me. And it's funny, my daughters have even given up on asking the question, like, why do you hate the holidays? I'm like, daddy is happy-go-lucky and jolly 364 days of the year. Just give me this one. I'm going to be curmudgeonly and we'll move forward from it. And I'll be happy, you know, 24 hours from now. Right? I'll go back to being me. And very often, like, they'll go to their mothers for, for the holidays or with their mothers for Christmas. They'll hang out with her. And then I'll pick them up either like the evening of Christmas day or the following day. This year we decided to do Christmas all together. So it was me, the girls, my ex-wife, her brother, one of his friends. And uh, we just hung out and um, like they did present opening and stuff and hung out for Christmas day. And then I bounced after that. It was relatively quiet and uneventful. What did you get them? Oh, uh, what the hell did I get them? So that's the other thing, right? Like, I don't decorate for Christmas. Um, I did wrap stuff, but it was all stuff they, they'd asked for. Um, like, the older one, she just wanted me to transfer money because she had, like, stuff to do. Because, oh, well, that leads into another story that I'll get to in a second. But she needed money for, like, stuff that was going on over the holiday season. The middle kid, like, she wanted... Um, 
some more arts and crafts stuff. So I got her that. Uh, the baby, I say the baby, but she's she's so big now. Jesus, the youngest one. Um, I'd gotten her some science stuff because in her head she's like everything she does because she also has that meticulous gene, like that planning gene. And she's like, yo, everything I do is towards my career as an engineer as an adult. So, like, oh yeah, dolls are fine, and I love dolls, and you know, I like to play with dolls, but can I get the science kit? So we happened to be walking through, uh, I think it was Target or Walmart one day, and she picked out like a science kit or whatever. And she was like, oh, you know, can you wrap it up? And I'm like, fine. And I do like the wrapping that my parents used to do some years where they just like grab newspaper, wrap it up, and then I make it like very daddy-like, so I throw duct tape on it and shit. Um, this year, though, I actually did use wrapping paper and put their stuff aside for them. So they were cool with that. But I, I, like, I don't even decorate for Christmas. Like, I, I don't put up a tree. I don't do any of that shit. Um, and I know there's people like, you don't, you don't celebrate Christmas? I'm like, no, what the fuck? Their mom is huge into Christmas. It's a wonderful time of the year for her. So she goes above and beyond. And I'm like, go ahead. Y'all, y'all have you treat your mom's house, whatever. Actually, that leads into something interesting. So one of my neighbors who you know we're incredibly close with, she goes, well, you got to have something in the house. I'm like, fuck Christmas. I'm not engaging in that bullshit. I want no part of it. So... What she did is she went out and got like a miniature Christmas tree. And she said, this is your birthday bush. (laughs) And instead of like regular Christmas ornaments, she put like a bunch of anti-Christmas ornaments and pop culture shit that I would be into. Like a giant ass middle finger. Uh, Actually, she's the one who got me this mug. It's beginning to look a lot like fitness. So, you know, like people who know me meet me where I am. They just know what it is. Um, so long story short, yes, yes I you get your ex-wife at Christmas. I got her a did bottle you? of. Well, the first question oh. is, did you? And obviously the answer. Yes, yes, I got I got her something for Christmas. Um, I got her a bottle of Don Julio tequila. Better man than me, I tell you that much. <laughs> Oh you, oh, you guys don't exchange gifts? Uh, no. So, um, actually, speaking of cooking, she got she got me a new set of pots and pans. You guys are better than me. Uh, God bless you. I, I'm waiting to get there. It, it so, depends on the day, son. Depends on the so, day. So, I was actually in church on Christmas. So, no, I was in church on New Year's. No. Wow. On Christmas Day, um, I had Miles in the morning. We opened some gifts, and then I took him over to his mom, and that's where he got one kitchen from her, which is a decent-sized kitchen. Yep. You know what I'm saying? The little play kitchen with the pots and the pans and all that other sort of stuff. And then when he got over to his grandmother's that night, he got the kitchen deluxe, which <laughs> is probably about four feet long, four feet high, has a microwave, an oven, a baster, and every other thing you could possibly think of on that thing. Why are you trying to downplay the woman kitchen? <laughs> listen, listen, God bless you. Right? Um, no subliminals on this show, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, there is something really heavy that I wanted to talk about. So, you know, Christmas Day, I was alone. Um, I'm not going to be specific, or I'm going to be as inspecific as I possibly can about this, right? And there's a reason why, right? So we were with some people around the holidays, and we've been around these people before. Right. And there's one kid who was a teenager who was my second time meeting him on Christmas. I had met him once before and he was playing with Miles, right? And then it got a little loud 
and they were, you know, Miles was running around screaming real loud. So I said, okay, that's enough. Come sit down and relax for a little bit, right? Right. But that's not the reason I told him because they were loud. The reason I told him to come sit down next to me was because I'm not comfortable with somebody that I just met and I don't really know, especially a man or a young kid or a kid or teenager or whatever else it is, picking my kid up and having that kid sit on his lap, tickling him in his stomach and under his arms and his legs and all that other sort of stuff. I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with some guy I don't know, and I'm saying especially guys, and I know there's a certain part of me that's fucked up about this, right? Right. Having their hands on my kid. I'm just not comfortable with that shit. And around the Christmas holidays, we were with these people again, and uh, this guy was had his hands on my kid. And at one point, you know, he takes him into the kitchen, and I can't see. Another point, he takes him around the corner in this hallway and I can't see and I go walk around the hallway and he's kneeling down showing him some trinkets on some um, some um, uh, counter and he's got his hand on his stomach, you know, kneeled down behind him. And then, you know, another point, you know, he picks him up weirdly and takes him away. And I went looking for them. And the problem I'm having right now is that I did not openly say, hey, come here stay here or he doesn't need to be sitting on your lap put him down or don't pick him up put him down why because i don't want to offend the room right and the thing that's bothering me is that i'm putting offending other people ahead of what i believe is protecting my kid so it's interesting because as parents like you got to think about the investment you make when having a child a lot of people don't think about it in this level but i i i do and it's the emotional, financial, spiritual, and genetic investment that you make in this kid. So this kid is basically, in the long run, the only thing that matters, right? Because what lasts after you're gone? The only thing that really lasts and stands the test of time is genetic material. That's the only way you really, really win in this world when you strip it down to bare bones. So there is a biological imperative. As much as there is a biological imperative in so many of us to make children, there is a biological imperative to protect your child. So I understand it. Like I've absolutely been in situations where I'm like, yo, I don't find like the way this shit is going down. And then part of me, part of it is me going, I don't know what the intent is here. And doing the internal talk down of myself, which I'm probably sure you had to do. Because knowing you as, you know, the dude who has very little filter for shit and and speaks his mind, I know there was a lot of internal conflict watching this shit. But then the other thing is, you know, looking at the other side of the paradigm, because I don't know the intent and because this is a relatively safe space, I can defuse it by calling my kid to me or keeping a, a sharp eye out or intervening without necessarily going, hey, yo, keep your hands to yourself. So I don't think you did the wrong thing in this situation. You you watched the room, but you were still vigilant and, and mindful of where your child was at all times. I was not as much as I would have liked to have been. I was not. I was not. Not as much as I would like to have been. Now, that shit ain't never going to happen again. And I'm having conversations with my kid about leaving the room without getting my permission or about leaving the line of sight without talking to me first no matter who is in the room, unless he is with me or his mama or his grandma or my my uncle, you know what I'm saying? 
you're not to walk off. No. Right. I mean, and, and, and you can have that conversation. I think that's just part of preparedness. It's just the same way I tell my but girls. Who like, just pick somebody's kid up that you just met for the second time and takes them out of the room? A teenager. <laughs> that's absolutely That's absolutely who does that shit. Like somebody who doesn't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, even more so than somebody who is, you know, predatory. Because somebody who's predatory is going to be far more calculated than what they do. It's like when we had this shit that popped up on the news the other day with this girl who got snatched in the Bronx. And immediately, like, I got a phone call from my ex-wife and she's like, oh, I don't want the girls walking to school. And they have to have safety numbers. And they all need cell phones to communicate. I'm like, if somebody snatched them in there, I can get access to a cell phone. You know, and, I, I, and I'm breaking the shit down logically to her. But it's also the understanding of how certain shit works. And I think that's, that's a function of where we grew up, understanding, sadly, how criminals and fucked up people work. Yes, they're absolutely op- opportunistic. But they're opportunistic in a place where they're not going to dr- do shit, for the most part, in a public setting that's going to draw attention to them. But if you listen to people talk, 90% of the people who have had bad sexual encounters, it's usually been by somebody who has been close to them. Right. It's somebody who's close to them who has free and opportune access to them over a protracted period of time, right? Somebody playing with their kid in a public setting where it might be a bit uncomfortable and it's like, oh, dude, like, you, you might be able to step in a little bit of a boundary. It's highly unlikely that he's going to snatch him and, and do something in that time and space. But it also bears having the conversation with your kid so, you know, he's aware of certain shit. And it's just sad that we got to have this conversation with a kid who's four years old. You know what I'm saying? So the discussion I had with my kid not long after that was nobody's to touch his PP. He's not supposed to be touching anybody else's PP. He's not supposed to touch anybody's butt. Nobody's supposed to touch his butt. And if anybody asks him to, or if anybody tries to, that he is to tell me immediately. Do not be afraid to come tell me immediately. And then my next conversation with him is going to be about how to be around people and leaving unless you ask daddy first. But yeah, it's sad that you got to have these sort of conversations. But this is about, you know, holiday unpacking and we don't really have, you know, we've been talking for, believe it or not, we've been talking for uh, quite about it, quite a minute time. Yeah. Uh, but do you do resolutions? Um, I don't genu- generally do resolutions. There's actually some other shit that happened between Christmas and New Year's that should probably unpack. Oh. So, so, firstly, um, my kids understanding me, so why don't you put that up? What is that? Single dad hates the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> so my oldest send that, daughter... Send, t- send that to me. I'll post it. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. My oldest daughter posted that or, or drew that for me one day while she was sitting down here in my uh, little video lab slash basement. Um, and then secondly, her boyfriend came to visit for the holidays. I remember you talking to me about this a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So young man came down... Which daughter is this? This, this is my, my oldest daughter, my 18-year-old. Go ahead. Almost 19-year-old in, God, less than a month. Um, so her boyfriend came in from Florida. Actually, he was traveling with his family. He was in Canada, flew in from Canada to Connecticut and stayed at my ex-wife's house through the holiday, through uh, like the Friday after Christmas until New Year's Day. 
when he flew back out to um flew back out to to Florida where he lived. How old is he? He's eighteen. Okay. So so eighteen years old. Um, he's finishing up high school. She just finished up her her uh first semester of college. They met online. You know, nice enough kid. I you know, I, I think he's cool. On December thirtieth, I took a carload of them and we drove down. Like my kids, um, my daughter, her boyfriend, my ex-wife actually went for the trip too. So her first trip to New York in like ten years, and we piled up. They went and hung out with some friends in the city, and then he got a chance to come back intermingle with the family, you know, the family at, at large. So that was interesting. Um, relatively quiet kid. You know what I'm saying? Just relatively quiet kid, but nice. Uh, you know, the whole having a boyfriend visit wouldn't have been my first choice of things to do for the holidays, but fuck it. Yeah, I don't think he was an impediment or a, a disruption, but he also didn't stay at my crib, so meh. But the girls stayed at your crib? No, the girl, the girls were at their mom's house with them. So, you know, so they, you're they, okay with him and her being in the house at the same time overnight? Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't sleep in the same rooms. Um, you know, you also had her little sisters there running cop blocker interference. So there's that. And their mom was there. So I also you stopped. You are a progressive dad. You know what? I, it, it's funny because I also said, like, even, like, the idea of, like, sexual contact. It's supposed to be, oh, you know, are they having sex or whatever? And I'm like, listen, unless you're old enough to plan your own sex excursions, you ain't old enough to have sex. I'm not going to get into how old I was when I started having sex. But the reality is, like, my parents have never been involved in my sexual endeavors. It was like I never was like, hey, mom, dad, can um this person stay at the house so you know we can canoodle? Like it, it was never none of that shit. And based on my conversations with her, like I'm okay, I'm good. Um, but yeah, that 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 was an adjustment for the holiday season. And then we had uh, New Year's Eve, which was you know. Once again, relatively low-key and, and fine, um, except for the butting of heads between me and my ex again. But to answer your, your, your immediate question, no resolutions other than, you know, keep grinding, keep hustling, and try to make some shit happen. That's it. How about you? I don't really have a resolution, except, you know, I just want to look back and reflect and say to myself that um, I had a plan to be completely debt-free with the exception of my car lease. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did not do that. So I just want to get back on that. Uh, everything else, you know, I'm advancing forward pretty quickly and um, pretty evenly. But that's the only thing that uh, I could have done a better job with. Definitely had the resources. I just uh, didn't focus on it. But I'm going to focus on that this year. What do you think about it, man? Like, you know, you ain't in a race but with nobody but you. So if you did it last year or the year before, you do it this coming year, you know, it's just for you. Correct. All right, man. So happy new year. Happy new year. Good to connect, right? Great to connect. And ladies and gentlemen and consenting adults, thank you for joining us for another episode of Single Dad, Why You Mad? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, man. Single Dad, why you mad? Single Dad, why you mad? Single Dad, why are you mad? Single Dad, why 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 you mad?